From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Wednesday, December 23rd, 2020, with Ukiah ER doctor, Dr. Drew Colfax, and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from callers. Good afternoon. This is the local coronavirus update for Wednesday, December 23rd. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Welcome back, Drew. Thank you, Alicia. Just some cheery holiday music. (laughs) As close as you're going to get to us. That's as close as I'm going to get. Very good. Very good. Good way to start out. This is the local coronavirus update. We will be opening up the phone lines for your questions. The number in the studio here is 707-895-2448. We'd love to hear from you if you have questions or thoughts about our local coronavirus pandemic response or any other any other questions you, you might have about what's going on with the coronavirus update. But let's start with the latest. Well, the latest is um, still getting worse in uh, the county and the state in particular uh, since Monday's show. So in two days, we've added another 62 cases, bringing our total count to 2292. Uh, over 40,000 people have been tested um, at this point since the start of the pandemic. And actually, nearly 2,600 of those tests are still pending. Um, we are averaging 36 a day in this county right now over the last seven days. 36 We're, positives. 36 case, new cases, 36 positive swabs a day. Um, so obviously the number's higher than that, but those are the ones that are getting um, tallied and reported. So that translates to 40 per 100,000, just for reference. Uh, and the positivity rate is still edging up. We are at 5.38% positivity, which is really high. Um, not as high as the statewide average, and you know it's, it, but it's not, it's still going the wrong way. It's still increasing. And hospitalization um, has actually increased sharply in the two days since I've been there. I'll be back tonight, so I'm a little bit apprehensive as to what I'm going to encounter. But we currently have 17 people uh, hospitalized in the county, five of whom are in the ICU, um, which is pretty high consumption. It, it might be it might be actually the most we've seen hospitalized with COVID since the start of the pandemic. We had numbers either exactly the same as that or about that num- number Um or late July, early August, as I recollect, but that's about as bad as it's as it's been. How does that um, equate to the available beds versus the beds that are in use right now? Well, you know, the the total number of hospital beds is a little bit fluid, um, and it depends on staffing and what kind of bed you need. Uh, the total number of ICU beds, without surging or without bringing in outside resources, is 16 in this county. So five of those right now are being used with COVID patients, um, which is a pretty large number because we're usually pretty full with non-COVID ICU patients, even in the best of times. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a tense couple weeks, uh, no doubt. Fortunately, Northern California is still not seeing the same sort of overwhelming surge that the southern part of the state or the Sacramento Valley is seeing. Sonoma is a little bit worse than uh, than us right now. They have 57 uh, cases per 100,000. Lake County is 53 uh, compared to, say, Los Angeles, which has almost 150 cases per 100,000 people. San Bernardino, so part of the Inland Empire, has 250 cases per 100,000 right now. Uh, so just, you know, crazy high numbers, um, you know, both 
locally and throughout the state. Um, California is actually the second worst state in the country right now for COVID per 100,000, um, second only to my former state of Tennessee, uh, which is currently just getting crushed. Um, and so we're, you know, we're on average in this state averaging 113, I believe, per 100,000. Uh, it translates to 45,000 people a day just in the state of California getting COVID. That's the last seven seven day average. Wait. 45,000 people, 45,000. 45,000 new COVID cases in the state of California. Not 4,500. No. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, California is also edging up against uh, 2 million confirmed cases since the start of the pandemic. Um, and about 250 people are dying in California from COVID each day right now. So it's it's pretty grim. 19,000 hospitalized. Um, the beginning of the month, we crossed the 10,000 threshold. And we're like, oh, this is getting tight. And now we're pushing up against 20,000. So soon we're going to start seeing uh, sort of surge tent having to right. open up. Well, that and that's my next question is, uh, have you all at the hospital been discussing surge? Yeah, no, that's an ongoing. And, and those plans were developed early on, you know, back in, March and April when this was when we didn't know what we were going to be confronting in the short term or intermediate term um, and they you know they remain effective it doesn't they don't really need to be revisited so we have that surge capacity it's just going to be suboptimal and actually you know California is already starting to talk about how they are going to go into an emergency medical provision sort of scenario where they have to ration care uh, to the sickest patients so and that's what happened in new york um and that's that's why one of the reasons why the mortality was so high in new york how does our current predicament compare with the worst days of the, the epidemic in new york well in terms of the numbers it's quite close um in california as a whole it, it's really it's almost uh, equivalent the good thing is we have a much better sense of what we're dealing with and we're much better managing the medical aspect of it than we were back in february and march um but the actual numbers per hundred thousand and the hospital utilization rates are very close to where they were during the horrible surge in new york i mean some some neighborhoods in new york were obviously much higher but as a whole we're, we're quite close well, that is very grim news for our last it's, show before the holiday. It's going to be, you know, I, this is a holiday where people love to get together. But, boy, I've been telling everybody that this is just one to to pass. Um, it's just one for the Zoom call or the telephone call or, you know, an outdoor 10 feet away sort of wave and conversation briefly in the drizzle that we're predicted to get on Christmas Day. But it's certainly not one to be traveling or have family traveling to see you. Um, and it's really, you know, it's pretty bad nationwide. It's not like California is just an outlier. Uh, we are still, you know, over 200 thousand new cases per day um, and it's still edging upward um, over the course of the two-week trend flattening quite a bit so the rate of climb has uh, has stalled um, I think we're up only like four percent over two weeks nationwide hospitalization and deaths however still you know sort of being the lagging indicators that they are are still climbing quite a bit more uh, steeply uh, but hospital hospitalization rates for COVID nationwide are approximately two two times what they were either in April or in the uh, late July, early August peaks. So we're seeing nationwide about two times more people. And a large part of that is the fact that it's now nationwide and it's not just, you know, East Coast, West Coast type of illness. Right. We're outdoing ourselves. And also you've been predicting this since since the early fall because of the cold weather. Cold weather and people go inside and, you know, we, we 
just that's where we spread this thing so it's been it's been foreseen and now it now it's unfortunately coming to pass um some good news is there was a study that's actually just released today in the new england journal showing durable immunity um, from healthcare workers who are exposed to this early on so you know effective amount of neutralizing antibodies persist in people you know we don't have you know years worth of data obviously but 10 months on they still have durable immunity which oh, is great. very good news that is really good um, news and still really not clear what's going on with these this super spreader um, mutated virus in in Britain um, the scary thing is it appears that it, that mutation first appeared in September so closing the borders to Britain now would be way too late um, and really we don't have much in the way of genomic surveillance here in the United States so we have really no frankly idea whether this sort of perhaps more contagious uh, strain of of the SARS-CoV-19 illness is already here or not. Do you expect any of this to start to turn around with a new administration? I expect there to be more... Um, precise and clear messaging from this administration. And to give this current administration credit, uh, I know, right? Uh, but, <laughs> but, but to give them credit, the vaccine rollout, to the extent that they had much of a role in it, rather than, other than just writing a very large check, but the vaccine rollout has actually been proceeding quite well. I mean, obviously, there have been some well-publicized hiccups, um, but the, the notion of what they're attempting to do with getting vaccines distributed equitably throughout the entire country and then putting that into practice is actually working pretty well. I mean, I know that here in our little valley, we got vaccine already. So Yeah, the clinic got vaccinated, right? Yeah, well, some people did, not everybody, but yes. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that it's it's a, it feels like a trickle, even though it's probably a big wave of of product or vaccine it's a trickle it's just, it's just it's a so many people in yeah this it's country. a lot yeah it's a yeah but it's you know it's a trickle that's going to get fairly soon to the highest risk uh individuals in the country so that's you know that's that's the bright side of yeah. things all right so we have several uh emailed questions i can yeah. answer some of those before we throw open the phone lines if that sounds okay uh, first question is about the vaccination. How many months later will the booster be taken? So there's currently only two vaccines, um, and the booster is actually given in weeks later, not months later. Uh, the BioNTech-Pfizer vaccine, the booster is three weeks later, and the Moderna one is four weeks later. And there's some wiggle room. It's you know it's not really well studied how much wiggle room there is, but plus or minus a couple days, uh, really. And Actually, most hospitals, most big uh, facilities are staggering the vaccination um, a bit um, just because there is some evidence to suggest that the booster, particularly for the Pfizer vaccine, does kind of make you feel cruddy for about 24 hours. So you don't want your whole staff calling in sick. Oh, no. Um, so that's, you know, that's just a relevant consideration for hospitals, for example. And when you, so you were vaccinated last week. Um, yeah. when, did they have your booster sort of waiting for you or it's not in the freezer but it's in the supply chain is what is what i understand <laughs> so they're they're not holding one in the freezer they're distributing and then they're gonna a new supply is committed are the is it is the booster the same exact thing as the first one mm -hmm. so you don't have to set aside the second shot for you just get the next round and yes, yes. okay interesting yeah. Um, and so the next question is, a person diagnosed with COVID can have the vaccine after recovering from the virus? Yes. 
Um, in fact, it's definitely recommended that even if you have had COVID or you think you've had COVID, uh, you should still get the vaccine. And there are two reasons for that. Uh, one is a lot of people are going to think they have had COVID when in fact they haven't. Um, there's also, as we know, a fair number of false positives, uh, more false negatives perhaps, but there are some false positive tests. And then I guess thirdly, um, the vaccine, um, there's pretty good data to show that the vaccine produces better immunity than the natural immunity uh, triggered by the COVID illness. And, you know, for that reason, um, as much as any, um, that's the, recomm the recommendation is you still get the vaccine. And then the question about how long after recovering, the current guideline is 90 days. So if you've had COVID, you wait 90 days, then you're eligible to get the vaccine if it's available. Um, and then thirdly, sort of a general question, what would I say to all those people who are against the vaccine or supporting the idea of a conspiracy? Well, I, you know, I've just been trying to follow the science on this since the, since the beginning. Um, and so if there are vaccine skeptics in your life, I would encourage conversations about where they are receiving their information um, and really drill down on that because that's usually where the conspiracy theories fall apart. You can find, one can find anything on the internet, obviously, and there, it tends to be an echo chamber. But if you drill down on that, a lot of people sort of come around. And I think, frankly, as there's more uptake and more of us get the vaccine and we don't, you know, develop any side effects from it, then that will become more socially acceptable to be vaccinated. All right. Very good. Thank you uh, for emailing your questions in. And now we're going to open up the phone lines. The number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. We're going to go till 3.30 here. Let's take our first caller. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah, this is just a personal question. Dr. Drew, where in Tennessee are you from? Well, actually, I'm, I'm from Boonville, uh, but I lived in Nashville for 10 years. Oh, okay. Did you go to Vanderbilt? I, I completed my medical training there, yes. Okay, great. Well, good. I'm fellow Tennessean. Glad to have you on board here in California. <laughs> well, thank you. It was good to come back. I've been here for, been back, I think, for five or six years now. Time flies. So that was your plan, to come back and kind of go off the grid and raise your family? Well, you know, plans are, plans are variable, but there, it was a notion that I harbored for years. Okay, well, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks for that question. Um, we have an email question here. It is, my daughter works in a hospital, has been offered the vaccine. She's breastfeeding her baby. Have you heard anything about breastfeeding and the vaccine? Is it safe? Yes, yeah, so that's a good question. I actually work with a couple of um, providers at the health at the hospital who are pregnant um, and several others who are um, breastfeeding. There's really, it hasn't been studied yet, either for lactation or for pregnancy. Um, it just wasn't for, there wasn't time and it wasn't formatted to be studied in that in that way. However, uh, the general consensus is that the vaccine is safe, certainly safe during lactation, um, and is safe during pregnancy as well. But that's just, there's no great data to support that. That's just extrapolating from what we know about vaccines in general, how they work and how they tend to affect lactation and pregnancy. So healthcare providers in general are recommending that pregnant women um, or lactating women get the vaccine, particularly if um, the individual works in the hospital. All right, let's take our next call. Caller, are you there? Yes. Good afternoon. Uh, my, question, my question is about the, um, the new variation of coronavirus has been detected in England and is said to be in the United States. 
What does it mean when they say it's 70% more contagious? Does that mean it takes less of a viral load to get infected? Does it mean it travels farther? What exactly does it mean? Thank you. Yeah, that's a great question. And the answer really is actually we don't know. Um, that, that 70% figure was uh, extrapolated from um, population spread uh, through um, pockets of Britain that had this B117 variation. Um, but we don't know if that's due to increased um, you know, viral load in the aerosols or droplets or whether it's due to increased um, entry into the host cells, which is to say into our bodies through our nasal passages or some combination thereof. That, that's an open question that's being intensely researched right now. All right, let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. And that is Hi. you. Yep, that's uh, you. Thank you so much for your call, uh, your show. Uh, I'm just two questions. The first question is someone is hospitalized in Mendocino County, do they, uh, but they're from, say they're from Southern California or Great Britain, do they stay in Mendocino County for their hospitalization? And the second uh, question is, when we first started the virus control things, it seems as if we were much stricter than we are now, even though everything is much higher in terms of, you know, everything. The deaths, the infection rates, the problems are just so much higher, and yet it seems as if we're sometimes even like the beaches, for instance, are, are open, and they weren't. The beach down the road from where I live was closed uh, during the months of March and April. But now everything is wide open. All the campgrounds are wide open. Is that because it's a statewide beach, or is it because we have just gotten more lax, even though everything else has gotten much more dangerous? So, again, thank you so much for your, for your show, and I'll just take the call off the air. Okay, so to answer the first question about um, out-of-state people or out-of-town people being hospitalized, in general, health care, you know, is, is intensely local, really, in the end. So if you're on the road and you have the misfortune to break your ankle, you're going to go to the nearest ER and get that ankle either set or fixed or operated on. If, you know, if you're a Mendocino County resident and you happen to be in Arizona, that will be handled in Arizona. So likewise, uh, with COVID, if you are traveling and you happen to get sick and require hospitalization, uh, then you're going to go to a hospital in that county and that per that individual will show up in that county's hospitalization statistics um it will not show up in that per county's uh, covid count um statistic those counts um are are sent back to the person's home state or home county um so there's a little bit of a difference there um but there is not any sort of repatriation that occurs with a medical uh, patients, um, either for COVID or anything else. So, you know, somebody from Sonoma County coming up to Mendocino needs hospitalization. We will hospitalize them in Mendocino County um, gladly, and we're not going to send them back to Sonoma just because they're from Sonoma. If we don't have the capacity, then we might reach out to Sonoma County hospitals. We probably will. But if they don't have the capacity, then it's going to sort of reach out. You know, the, the, the net is going to be spread or cast wider uh, to find available capacity. Um, and as to your second question, um, things were more strict in the spring than they are now. 
Uh, yes, um, but you do touch on an interesting point: is we we have a much greater sense now of what um, what spreads this virus or what allows this virus to spread. We we've really been able to drill down on our behaviors that uh, lead to greater transmission. So things like beaches and camping and hiking trails we know now are extremely low risk and fairly high value um, activities. And so I think it's entirely appropriate that really anything that's outside should be allowed to be open at this point. And for Frankly, anything that involves being inside that is not absolutely essential should be shut down, period. And you should really avoid it um, as well. So unfortunately, that includes restaurants, and it should include a lot of the things that are still open. Um, but, you know, that decision to leave those type of semi-necessary um, activities open is, is certainly not one that I'm making. Um, but I would urge people to really engage in activities that are only 100% essential. So I'm talking about food and animal food and agricultural supplies and medical care, um, you know, and, and really not much more than that. Um, you know, I, I, I just, even during the holiday season, it's not a great time to be, you know, going into places and shopping, despite all the care that we're taking to avoid transmission and fairly high uptake of masking that I've been seeing. You know, that being said, I was just at a pharmacy this morning in Ukiah, and I walked in, and one of the staffers was wearing a face shield and no mask. And Still. Just, still, you know, nine months in, at a, you know, a quasi-medical establishment, so. Well, it's interesting about the closures, because in some ways, you know, we do know that it's it's not dangerous to go to the beach, necessarily. Um, it's well, not, the waves can be quite dangerous. Waves, yes, yeah. don't turn your back yeah. on the ocean. The undertow. Besides, yeah. like, the normal dangers, but then from COVID, we know that these things are low-risk activities, but the psychology of it the fact that in in the spring everything was shut down so we stayed home you know it that's the thing that's so interesting and yeah. and with the businesses there's no other option for businesses because there isn't any realistic kind of relief package to keep them to help them get through you know in the absence of actual money to help them get through and not have to shut which, down which there was in the spring and you know the government really hasn't followed through with that initial relief package so right. oh, it's, it's like being in a, in a vice yeah. in a bind all right let's take our next call hopefully they are hanging on hello caller that is you you are live on the air I lost him. Okay, let's try our next caller. No, we did go on for a while. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Thank you, thank you. Um, my husband had a positive COVID test last Sunday, and I had a negative one. And we got the results on Wednesday. So he went into isolation, and I went into quarantine. Correct. So he's out of, right, he's out of isolation today but i'm still in quarantine so how can we interact within our home <laughs> well how let me just phrase let me ask a, a follow-up question how have you been interacting in your home oh um he's isolated in the master bedroom and i have the rest of the house yeah, I so, don't see him. Yeah, okay, well, well, good. Kudos to you for being pretty serious and strict about this. And it sounds like you're both, you know, well on your way to recovery. Uh, your quarantine, you know, the county still sets it, I think, at 14 days. But the CDC guidelines actually now suggest uh, seven days with a negative test at the end of those seven and a second negative test um, on day 10. So, you know, I as I do the math, oh, okay. I think you're talking, you're at day 10 right now, approximately, um, which means you could go get a test and pull yourself out of quarantine, which would probably make things a lot easier. Um, but, you know... Here's the problem. The problem is they count my time from... 
he got tested. We got tested Sunday, got the results Wednesday. His count started from Sunday, and my count started from Wednesday. Yeah, well. So I'll be out on Saturday, but I didn't know, since he's out today and I'm out on Saturday, like, can we be in the house together? Well, how do, how do you, we, you know, know, honestly, you've yeah. probably already been exposed because he was, you know, before he went into isolation, um, he was shedding the virus, presumably. And unless he had been on the road for some, you know, some essential reason, um, you know, you were cohabiting in some way that would have exposed you to his virus. So, I, you know, the the the, the public health answer is that mm-hmm. you need to continue what you've been doing up until you're lifted out of quarantine. The non-public okay. health answer, the sort of what are my what are my risks sort of answer, um, the risk mm-hmm. of you're getting it from your husband at this point are, are essentially zero. Um, if you're going to get sick from COVID, it's probably because you've had a longer latency period and you picked it up before you each went into quarantine and isolation. Um, and so really, I would not be too worried about exposing your husband to your illness. I would continue to quarantine in your house right. with your husband yeah. and just not go out or do anything else because that way you're not exposing anybody else in the community and he's not going to get it back from you, you being the asymptomatic carrier. He's already had it and it sounds like he's recovered. So I, I would say you can now throw open the doors to your house and just quarantine within your house jointly and you know enjoy the, the, okay. the holidays like that. And go get a test. If you want, oh, I mean, yeah, the, we, oh yeah, I'm scheduled for Sunday as soon as I could get. Yeah, yeah. but the, the problem is the test results are still still taking longer than you know it's going to be actually helpful. You'll be out of quarantine before you get that negative result. All right, I can't get my I get out of quarantine Saturday and I can't get my test till Sunday. Right, but even if you were tested today, it probably wouldn't be back oh, until right. Saturday. Right. So okay. Well, be safe. Well, good answer. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're take, welcome. Take good care. Happy, happy holidays. Thank you. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Oh, well, I thought we had a People call. People call and then they lose I interest. I don't understand. Yeah. It must be us. It no. must be. It's, it's probably, not them. It's, it's probably us. ER doctors calling in. They have a very short attention span. <laughs> they just yeah. hang it up. I'm through with you. Hey, let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Oh, hi. Uh, just a minute ago, or a couple minutes, uh, 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 Dr. Uh, um, um, anyway, he was uh, uh, suggesting that anything outside would be really great and uh, good for us to encourage. And uh, and I wanted to say to Dr. Kofax that it, at Indian Creek Park, has been closed uh, for the entire time, and it's a wonderful place uh, to meditate, uh, to uh, find uh, peace, uh, to uh, gather strength. And is there any way we can uh, kind of encourage the county to take volunteers to keep it open or uh, have a uh, a, a useful uh, uh, engagement in Indian Creek Park. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I, I think, although I'm not 100 percent sure of that, I think that's a state park. Is that a Mendocino County Park? Um, I, yes, I, it is. It's it, county. It's county. Okay, so you know, I, I'm not sure why the county has shut down and continues to keep all the county parks shut down. I mean, there's a there's a very small park right near where I live, and it's had COVID signs up since 
maybe May. Um, and, you know, I, I agree with your point. And all I can say is, you know, call your supervisor, call call um, the county and let them know that you find this irrational. Um, and, you know, just continue to lean on them to do the right thing in this regard. I don't know. And I will be able to quote you. Of course. Yes, of course. And, you know, they can call me. But they. I don't know, frankly, whether it's a personnel issue that they don't have people to staff the parks um, during this yeah. during these pandemic times or or whether I don't think it's a health order any longer. Um, so the, the, the basis for that seems to be tenuous at best. Or at least it's not it's not public a public health reason. This might be something else. I don't know. Anyway, it'd be good to find out, and you know who your supervisor is, right? Yes, I have a very good supervisor in his district. Yep, Ted Williams. So give him a a call. See what he has to say about it. I certainly will. Thanks. All right. Thank you for the call. uh, 29, what do you think? We can take one more. It'll be quick. I can feel it. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. It's really quick. See? Because it must be line three that we're having a problem with. Okay, we'll get it fixed, callers and listeners. We promise we will get this fixed. Um, but that makes our job a little bit easier because that's the end of the show. We went, we went right through that. We did. So that's our last um, update until next, next week. Next Monday. Next Monday. Yeah. There won't be a county public health briefing this Friday. Friday's Christmas. Okay. So everybody's off, and it's just going to be a day of regular old holiday programming here at KZYX. So we aren't going to be doing an update, but we will be back for the local coronavirus update Monday at 3 o'clock. Monday and Wednesday, last two shows of the year. That's right, of 2020. And then we may have a format change. Oh, yes. But we can talk about that next we'll week. Talk about, we'll, ta- we'll do our scheduling with everybody next week. Live on the air. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Dr. Kovacs. For Thank you. Be safe, here. everybody. We are so close to the end of this. Just don't be foolish during these holidays. Right. This is our last moment on the air before Christmas. Any well, Christmas people's warnings? plans are already you know, chiseled in stone, I'm afraid. But hopefully people are making the right choices shall we say you know last new year i had the best new year ever sitting on my couch reading a novel it was like the best holiday i didn't see anyone it was just quiet and peaceful. i tend to work new year's so not peaceful in the er no no well i'm just saying there are other options so anyway have a good one everyone thank you for listening and have a very very happy holiday this friday we'll be back with you on monday You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.